When I was getting my personal training qualification, there was this one time that I was in a group Zoom call with one of the teachers of the course, and we were all talking about something called periodization. Now, pun not intended, given the topic of this particular episode, but periodization is essentially the planned manipulation of training variables. So things like the weight, the sets, the repetitions or reps in order to maximize training adaptations and also to prevent the onset of something called overtraining syndrome, which is a thing. Put simply, periodization is how I, as a coach, create my clients' programs in different kind of sections. And each of these sections are designed to help them strategically move towards their goals over a period of time. So the lesson was taking our students through a fictitious client. We were working on a 12-week time frame and in which the periodization would be two chunks of six weeks. As a class, we built out this two by six week program, all of the different training methods, the sets, the reps, how we'd gradually build up this client's strength over five weeks. And on the sixth week, we would program something called a deload week, which is essentially where you're not training at full intensity or 100% capacity. And it's all about giving your body a bit of rest, especially if it's been training hard consistently for a previous chunk of time. So for example, a deload week might look like using weights that are 50% lower than maybe the usual weights that you would lift, or instead of doing high intensity interval sprints on cardio, you would do more kind of steady state walking or jogging. And this deload basically helps rest and reset your nervous system so that when you do kind of come back to normal training um, at 100% capacity or intensity, your body hasn't only repaired itself, but it's kind of rebooted itself and is now is actually more ready for an increased capacity before. It's kind of like taking one step back in order to be able to take three steps forward. Anyway, this was all wonderful and I was thinking, cool, six week chunks with the sixth week as a deload is brilliant. Like it's so straightforward, it makes total sense. It's enough time to drive those adaptations, but it also gives that all important rest and reset. And then I was thinking, okay, so as a woman who menstruates with an approximate four week cycle, how would this fit in to this perfect little six week rotation? So I asked, I asked what would be his suggestion for people who menstruate, if there was any kind of research that might have been done to help optimize training methods and programs for a menstrual cycle and to account for all the changes and flurries of different hormones that will be in and out of the body. And he, with a puffed out chest to really, you know, demonstrate that secure masculinity of his, said that in his 25 plus years of training women, he's learned that periods don't really make a difference. And that it's more that some women use their periods as an excuse not to train or just not to train as hard. Ah, well, I don't even know where to start <laughs> with this. 
and I certainly didn't dare add okay well what about menopausal related variables or things like endometriosis or PCOS or fibroids which by the way disproportionately impact black women or someone who has a combination of all the above anyway let's just say that it was another reminder to me of why I was and remain so passionate about being in this industry because it's clear that we just literally need more diversity of representation and experiences and perspectives and honestly I really hope that all the women that he might have trained and probably gaslighted have somewhere and someone else to support them now this was just you know another cisgender bloke who was as ignorant as he was misogynistic and as a fitness coach now with Weiwei I am on an absolute mission to empower as many women as possible to reclaim that kind of agency and narrative over their their bodies and their minds and most importantly feel informed and knowledgeable and therefore confident and powerful in themselves now we all know and research is finally sort of you know supporting it that exercise is absolutely safe and totally beneficial in fact for women at all stages of a menstrual cycle However, it's just that some women may find that they need to adjust their workouts or intensity levels depending on their symptoms or their variations. So I make it my business to understand my client's menstrual or menopausal related cycles and symptoms, whether that's, you know, clients experiencing extreme blood loss um, during their bleeds that leads to either acute or chronic iron deficiencies, or as I mentioned, PCOS, endometriosis, fibroids, a combination of all the above, perimenopause. I, I make it my business because I want these women to be able to work with their cycles and their reality. I want to help them optimize their training accordingly and to help them understand the physiological and psychological effects that the changing hormones and all those variables can all have. So in this episode... I want to talk about menstruation and the phases really, you know, broadly speaking, um, I'm going to focus on it in its kind of generic overview. So for sure, if you might be someone who's using hormonal contraception, like the pill, or perhaps you're taking testosterone, all of those variables will of course impact your internal hormonal climate can we call it that so of course feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions specific to your situation but more importantly please consult your medical professionals because I might be a personal trainer and fitness coach but I'm not a doctor or a qualified dietitian but I want to cover in this in this episode the the phases generally how to kind of think about maybe optimizing your training accordingly and just things that you can consider with your nutrition and lifestyle at the different points across the phases. So if you are new to this podcast, welcome. Thank you. Great to have you here. Would love for you to stick around. If you are a returning listener, as always, I appreciate you. But let's get started and let's kick off episode five of the Weiwei podcast, A Diary of Another CEO. Okay, so the menstrual cycle is typically divided into four phases, or as some literature refers to them as seasons. So let's start with phase one, which is the menstrual bleed or inner winter. 
And the first day of your bleed marks the beginning of this early, early follicular phase. During this time, the lining of the uterus is shedding. And this phase kind of usually lasts around four to six days, but honestly, you can go on for so much longer. And especially if there are other factors at play, such as PCOS or endometriosis or fibroids. And hormonally speaking, now I'm going to keep things simple on this episode and refer to kind of the two main hormones in their general senses. So this is estrogen and progesterone. Now, both are at their lowest during this early follicular phase, but estrogen will start to climb, which is a great thing from a fitness and training standpoint. Research has shown that estrogen starting to rise can increase the anabolic response to strength training and can help maintain or even enhance skeletal muscle function. Okay, what the hell are you on about, Rosh? Put in simpler terms, strength training and doing things like high intensity cardio during this menstrual phase may lead to greater muscular and fitness gains than arguably other points of the cycle. The main challenge in this early follicular, aka inner winter phase, is the inflammatory responses and the symptoms that are experienced. So bad cramps, headaches, nausea, all of which may make you feel like you want to take it a bit easier. The irony is that generally the anti-inflammatory properties of exercise can actually help to ease all of these menstrual symptoms. When you think about how movement itself kind of releases endorphins, which can alleviate some of the, the pains and the general lows of this bleed. So to reduce the period pains and try to help to make the most of this time when the body can actually make significant training gains, I encourage my clients to, first of all, try and focus on iron rich foods. So spinach, or if they're a meat eater, red meat. And this is to kind of counteract that drop in iron levels from the blood loss, which then, you know, adds to that fatigue at this time. And I also would even suggest doing this from a week before the bleed as a kind of mitigation protocol. And as for the cramps, you know, good old hot water bottle, or gentle heat application generally to that local area helps reduce muscle tension and relax abdominal muscles and then may make you feel more or at least more comfortable enough to be able to kind of exercise or move your body. So put simply and really generally speaking, if you can mitigate your period symptoms, you can actually expect a lot of gains in this phase. And I've had clients who have hit personal bests during their bleeds. Otherwise, use the time to kind of focus on movement and activity that still gets your pelvis moving and therefore promotes that kind of positive blood circulation. So things like walking or dancing, yoga, stretching, all of do doing all of these things can help reduce that retention of blood and fluids in the area and maybe reduce that uncomfortable, like swollen feeling, I think I would describe it, especially for the first few days of the bleed. But all of this has also been shown to kind of lower inflammation and cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone. 
So movement in this phase, definitely. And if you can even level up and push for the strength gains and the cardio sprints, for example, then go for it. You might just be surprised at what you can achieve. Okay, so the next phase we have is the second part of the follicular phase or inner spring. The later, this later part of the follicular phase is essentially in between the end of your bleed and before ovulation. And during this time, the follicles in the ovaries are developing and one follicle will eventually ovulate. Hormonally speaking, we are seeing still low levels of progesterone because that's only actually produced after ovulation. Meanwhile, as I mentioned, estrogen is kind of continuing to rise and climbing to its first peak. Now, this phase two or inner spring is hands down my favorite phase. Why? Well, as estrogen is rising and with it serotonin, you might experience more optimistic feelings, less fatigue, mentally feeling sharper, And these rising levels of estrogen have also been found to increase muscle strength, um, vertical jump height, and enable better recovery from exercise-induced muscle stress. So, and, and as well as all of that, your body is able to use stored carbohydrates more efficiently during this time. So you might actually feel like you literally have more energy for your workouts. Alongside all of this, studies have found cognitive performance to be slightly better during this phase. And the rising levels of estrogen, especially while progesterone is still low, have also been found to improve the quality of your sleep, reduce the time to fall asleep, and increase the amount of REM sleep, which is that meaningful sleep where you're restoring all your memories and processing everything in your body. So with all these hormones kind of working more in your favor and less factors restricting recovery, I would always suggest considering packing in plenty of sessions in this first half of your cycle, essentially when you're feeling your best. So this is post-bleed and pre-ovulation, which is approximately if you're taking the really generic 28 day cycle, which not many women even have, but approximately day seven to 14 of your cycle. If day one is that first day of your bleed. So this is an opportune time to kind of up all of your weights in your strength training sessions and really push yourself in your cardiovascular, um, increasing your anaerobic capacity. So doing like more powerful cardio, high intensity, And the testosterone hormone is also rising and will peak alongside the estrogen. So all of this is actually contributing to that increase in power and strength and ability to build muscle that you're feeling. Honestly, I definitely feel the strongest in this part of this sort of second phase. And with a rise in like overall energy levels and mood, this is when I'll try and smash some personal bests, whether it's strength or, or performance related, like in my running. Now, one thing to watch out for is increased joint and ligament elasticity. Now, this can obviously be a good thing if you manage yourself really carefully, but otherwise these are the times that you can potentially pull or strain something a little bit more easily. And some studies have shown things like ACL tears being more likely to occur when this estrogen is reaching its peak pre-ovulation. 
So if there's ever a time to ensure that you're properly warming up and doing dynamic stretches before your workout, this is it. And I get that you might be feeling super amped with the estrogen high post-workout, but be sure to also cool down and stretch after your workout too. Safety first, people. Now, nutrition-wise, you might actually feel like your appetite is reduced or kind of at lower levels during this phase. There's still not a ton of research and data out there because obviously menstruation doesn't affect cisgender men. So why would we research this? But we are seeing more and more and more studies have found um, something called ghrelin, which is basically the appetite stimulator known as the hunger hormone may be decreased levels during this part of the follicular phase, thus diminishing hunger. But anyway, with or without that appetite, you need to eat. So I always encourage my clients to focus, especially during this part of the phase on their protein intake and carbohydrates to fill to fill you up, you know, and especially to fuel those PBs that you can be pushing for in your in your strength training or your cardio. Right. So now imagine ovulation has now happened and this is the release of an egg from the ovary. And now the lining of the uterus is thickening to prepare for a potential pregnancy. So we now move into the luteal phase, AKA inner summer. Some might experience mood swings, fatigue, breast tenderness during this luteal phase. Progesterone is now elevating and it remains this kind of dominant hormone while estrogen levels that um, peaked at ovulation and now l- much lower. So progesterone hormone is catabolic, which basically means that it increases the breakdown of protein. So this might prevent some of your or inhibit some of your ability to build and nurture lean muscle tissue, certainly as much as the previous couple of weeks. So basically what this means is you can still continue your strength trainings in this phase, but because you're unlikely to see as many big gains or personal bests as maybe you would have in the first half of your cycle, you might just want to focus more on consistency than pushing for progression with your weights and cardio exertion. So maybe more endurance style cardio, instead of doing sprints, you could do like steady jogs. Generally speaking, this marks the time to switch mentally and physically from higher intensity efforts to just steadying those efforts and with more recovery time, maybe more yoga in the calendar. Now, as progesterone prevents the body from storing glycogen, you may need to add more carbohydrates in and around your exercise, just to kind of give you that boost of energy in to be able to perform um, optimally. And you'd also do well to watch your hydration and sodium levels. So some studies have shown that blood plasma volume, which is your blood essentially, and is majority made up of water, can be as much as 8% lower compared to in the follicular phase, the past couple of weeks. So less blood plasma volume means less blood available to rush to all those working muscles that are also getting hotter with exercise and therefore meaning that you're gonna fatigue quicker. And it's all to do with those progesterone levels. Essentially, it can make you sweat out more, which then takes with it your natural salts 
So yeah, do your best to counteract that by staying hydrated and drinking like um, with those added electrolytes. And rest and recovery needs to also be a focus in this stage. As, as I mentioned, your overall energy levels are lower. So the challenge is because you have this increase in your core temperature during this stage, you might also find that your sleep quality worsens. And we know that sleep is an incredibly important part of the recovery process. So do things like, you know, a, a cool shower before bed or having a cool drink and making sure that your room that you're sleeping in is kind of set at a cool-ish temperature. Um, as well as I would avoid meals super close to bedtime because your body is just going to be focusing. It's staying awake to focus on digestion rather than sleeping. Finally, we have the late luteal phase or inner autumn, AKA PMS and hands down my least favorite phase. So what's going on inside? Well, approximately and always very approximately nine days ish after ovulation, both estrogen and progesterone levels fall. And with that, we lose some of that natural antidepressant and mood enhancing effect that serotonin has, which leads to overall kind of mood instability. So we may experience some of those typical PMS symptoms such as irritability, depression, anger, as well as sleep disturbance. Now, not forgetting those who suffer from premenstrual dysphoric disorder or PMDD, which I've heard referred to as severe PMS, but I'm not sure if that even does it justice. But PMDD can onset earlier than just a week before the next bleed. So honestly, everyone's experiences are going to be unique and different to them. Now is the opportune time in this phase for a deload week which is, as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, where you would kind of take your foot off the gas with pushing yourself super hard and give your body a chance to kind of rest and reset so that you can, when you come back, you can go even harder. So this is kind of a shift in focus towards lower intensities and maybe focusing more on developing skills, technique, flexibility and doing things for core stability. So yoga, Pilates, um, and lighter endurance sessions are what I tend to recommend for this phase. Um, specifically actually abdominal work to kind of get the blood flowing to the parts that might start hurting and cramping in a week or so. And with everything going on inside you now, there are higher energy demands on your body during this phase. And there's actually a good chance that you'll notice an increase in appetite. And this is due to your resting metabolic rate actually being a bit elevated by as much as, and again, it's an estimation, 100 to 300 kcals, as well as changes in your insulin sensitivity. Now, whether you're in a caloric deficit because maybe you're trying to lose some weight or reduce your excess body fat, or maybe you're, whether you're eating to maintain your current weight and or physique, now would be the time to kind of gracefully allow yourself to eat at the top end of your range that still aligns with your goals, but, you know, lets you listen to your body and acknowledge the fact that you're hungrier. And as well as your protein intake, as I recommended in episode three, this should be approximately 
1.5 to 2 grams per kilogram of body weight. I encourage my clients to enjoy fattier foods like avocado or oily fish if they're a meat eater, and maybe think about less starchy carbohydrates such as bread and pasta. And this is just to balance everything out inside and kind of create um, a, a more comfortable state. You may also need to be kind to yourself and just accept that you will perform as well as your body will permit you at this time. So supplements um, that I'd recommend here would include magnesium, which can balance out the effects of the progesterone and help with kind of sleep and mood. Um, Zinc, which can help reduce inflammation and lower your cortisol levels, the stress hormone. Um, Always vitamin D, because the majority of us not living in a sunny climate are vitamin D deficient. And focus as much on getting things like turmeric and colorful fruits and vegetables, all for their anti-inflammatory benefits. And I'd also always recommend CMOS because it's an absolute superfood packed full of nutrients. And the West are definitely cottoning onto this at the moment. So to summarize suggestions for optimizing the different types of exercise at different times during this menstrual cycle, I would suggest, so from cardio perspective, during the follicular phase, that's the time to be focusing on high intensity interval training or other forms of cardio that really challenge your heart rate. Whereas during the luteal phase, from a cardio perspective, you may want to reduce the overall intensity of those workouts or try lower intensity cardio like swimming or um, biking. Um, Strength training during the follicular phase, that's the time to focus on heavy lifting, doing compound exercises that are working multiple muscle groups. Strength training during the follicular phase showed a higher gain in muscle strength and muscle size. Um, so this is this is definitely the time to push there. Whereas during the luteal phase, you may want to reduce the weight that you lift or just focus on lighter weights and higher reps. And then when it comes to kind of stretching and yoga and mobility and pieces, um, all, all great at all phases of the menstrual cycle. During menstruation, it you know the stretching can help uh, relieve cramps and improve circulation. And meanwhile, during the luteal phase, it can help to reduce stress and improve sleep quality. So definitely one to consider across. Overall, the best way to optimize your training and your lifestyle and your workouts and your habits during your menstrual cycle is to listen to your body and adjust your intensity levels as much as needed. Not everyone's going to experience all, you know, terrible PMS symptoms. Not everyone notices such large fluctuations in their symptoms. But for those who do, just, yeah, be mindful of these changes when training. And don't beat yourself up about it if you feel like you can't lift as heavy in phase three. Or maybe you eating a little bit more than usual um, in, in phase four. What I would say is that it all starts with tracking. Now, this definitely doesn't need to be on or in a tracking app, but even just manually monitoring your cycle, because what you want to know is when your ovulation happens. 
because then you know approximately how long your first half of the cycle is. So you know when and how much time you've got to kind of put in the more demanding and harder training sessions. For example, while the average point of ovulation occurring is anywhere between kind of day 16 to 17, it can actually be any day from like day 11 to day 27. Like there's so many variables at play that will always be unique to you. I really just advocate for every menstruating individual to just get that deeper understanding of the changes that your body undergoes across whatever that cycle might look like for you. There's actually another great podcast called 28-ish Days Later, which I'd really recommend to kind of deepen that understanding of the menstrual cycle, as well as hear a diverse set of individuals share their stories and their truths. I kind of, I found, I found the whole series to kind of be both educative as well as emotive. Whatever you do, build up your toolbox of knowledge and your toolbox of strategies so that you can better manage your energy levels, your PMS, your bloating, your pains, ultimately also that you can feel empowered, not limited by your cycle. And when you do this, you really can hack it and kind of get that most out of your training program and experience even greater results, both physically and just as, if not more importantly, mentally. So that's it, folks. I hope this has been informative and that you've been able to draw at least one thing that you think will help or will help empower you. Um, As I mentioned at the start, I am definitely not a qualified medical professional. So all of the suggestions and advice or tips that I'm sharing are from my experiences, my perspectives, clients that I've worked with. But yes, definitely, I'm not a medical professional. So don't come for me, people. And um, if you do have any questions, want to follow up, want to chat, I am on socials. You can get me on Instagram at Roshana Jackson or at The Weiwei. DM me, um, email me if you want on Roshana at theweiwei.com. Don't forget to like, subscribe and share amongst your network. Um, that support means everything to me and uh, until next time joy, peace and blessings